Welcome and good morning to Faith Over Breakfast. I'm your host, Brian Betts. I am here with Pastor Andy Littleton of Mission Church and Pastor Eric Seepin of the Village Church. You're wondering why I'm laughing. It's because I have no idea what we're talking about today. So, I do want to ask Pastor Eric Seepin about uh, a dream that he had recently. Because it was discussed among, amongst us. I can't even talk today. It was discussed amongst us prior to starting the podcast, and we want to kind of get more details about it. What dream did you Brian just sucked the helium out of ten balloons. Something. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Pluto! Anyway, go ahead. Hey, uh, so, wait, wait, real quick. We're Faith Over Breakfast. I I am the only one eating breakfast. I I can go get breakfast right now. I was saving money and trying to be responsible. Oh, man. I just want to... Thank you for buying me breakfast, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. But, but he can't you, even uh, remember if he paid or not. Yeah, yeah. Brian. How many hours Brian, have you been Brian, awake, Brian? Uh, something reasonable. <laughs> so, again, Brian, for Brian, it's faith over late dinner. Um, for us, it's faith over breakfast. Brian, we're just glad you're here, man. I'm glad you're both here, too. We are at Exo Coffee. Thank you again for those that are listening that work and live at XO Coffee Post and are, allow us to come up in their loft office to record uh, so we're not in the midst of everybody where their conversations are too prominent, but we can kind of hear murmurs and yep. it kind of adds to the effect. That's why it's called Faith Over Breakfast. Yeah. So, sorry, about the, sorry about the blender last week, friends. There was a lot of, there was a blender that kept kept happening and our buddy down in the kitchen says he uh, doesn't always doesn't always have to do that. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think we may have lost a few of our Japanese listeners Did we? due that to, was the, just too much. to the blender. I didn't know that we had a blender. That's what you were well, there was was like, a, last, I thought there was a metaphor. I didn't know there was an actual blender. Last I was like, week, I would get two metaphors. Last week, yeah. I, you know, it didn't dawn on me as much while we were talking. But oh then when I went back and listened, wow, there was a blender. So, anyway, thanks for uh, sticking with us, friends. Even though um, you know, we subjected you to pain by blender. Brian has a residual headache from the blender. It's still with him this morning. Eric is uh, was up early this morning because he had a, a horrific. If you're a Tucsonan, this is this is this a bad is too dream. Sound. This is a bad dream. Yeah. Well, first off, I don't know where I got all the electronic equipment. I'm assuming the electronic equipment in my dream that I possessed was from the church because I don't own that much electronic equipment. Eric but I was is trying really into electronic equipment. I was trying to pawn it off. On Bookman's, Bookman's is this like huge book place that also takes electronics and things. And I had like fifteen hundred dollars worth of equipment, and they wanted to give me twenty five dollars. And that was after a lot of negotiation. And then after we agreed that I would get twenty five bucks for fifteen hundred dollars of electronic equipment, they wanted to charge me some fee for recycling, but I didn't know what they were going to recycle. And you're dreaming this. I'm all dreaming this. This is not Bookman's. I'm sure they're nicer and we give me more money. Not necessarily. But I mean, they're nice. They're nice. Yeah. But they're, uh, who knows about the money. But I was so mad. I woke up and I could not go back to sleep at 4.45 in the morning. And all I could think about was two things. One, how could they do this to me? And this new song that we're singing at church, this one little line just kept going over and over and over. And that, that line is? Uh, sing it for us. Sing, mm, it. sing it. I can't even do it. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, man. It's, I know the words are led to the slaughter, but it's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's led, and then there's just like two, the, and then there's just really deep 
lauded. Lauded. Talking and, about Jesus, obviously. Right. But I just want, I, I, I know it's talking about Jesus, but I just want to recap. I just want to, well, I'm <laughs> assuming. It is. Because we're pastors. <laughs> right, this right. is faith over practice. And, but I just want to recap what you just said. So you woke up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bookman's folks only gave you 20-some bucks for all your right. electronic equipment. You were seething with anger. And you I woke was. up chanting the words, led to the slaughter, led exactly. to the slaughter. Exactly. In fact, I'll use, I'll use the song as part of the intro so people can hear it. Wow. I'll be really into the... Wow. I'm looking forward to that. Um. Wow! Yeah. 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 Maybe. Maybe even better. I'll. I'll uh... Man. So yeah, Bookman's. Um, this is this is possible. I mean, well, here's the thing with Bookman's. Here's what you got to do in real life. Yeah. In real life, probably with true with any store that does like buy, sell, or trade. So, the other day, I took some books from our church that had been kind of sitting around to Bookman's. Yeah, I got like. I think I got like 20 bucks in trade for some of the books, and I still had a little box left over, so I took them to the other, other location. Oh, yeah. Guess mm-hmm. how much I got there? How 38 more dollars. More on my leftovers <laughs> than the first time. Pretty nice. great. So in, tomorrow, tonight, in your dreams, you got to go to the other location. <laughs> to see if I can get some more money. That's right. Well, just as a pause, too, on that, just to go back to it, we didn't actually lose listeners. We gained listeners. We're up to 59 listeners now. Wow. And uh, the the interesting stuff about all of this is uh, I think last week we, I can't remember how many people we said were listening on it, like how many podcasts were listened to, but on a daily basis, but in the last seven days, 75 podcasts have been listened to. So wow. that's over 10 podcasts a day. I think we've upped four podcasts mm. a day. So that's pretty pretty impressive. That We're just impressive. a growing podcast. Wow. After This is going to be our 10th episode. Man, I wonder if we have a Q&A coming up next week. I wonder if having that Q&A will bump it up even more. You, so you, they'll, they'll probably listen to I don't to even one. know. Yeah, we'll see. So who's doing the Q&A? Uh, we are, the three of us. And who's, yeah. a- who's asking the questions? I'm going to be asking the questions. <laughs> right. Unless I'm... we get email. <laughs> yeah, faithoverbreakfast well, no. at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, faithoverbreakfast at gmail.com. You'll just email us. I will read them to Pastor Andy and Pastor Eric. And, yeah, if you have any questions for them, uh, feel free to send them in. Yeah, or suggested topics, things you want to hear us talk about. Yeah. You can also send... Your questions to the, our Facebook, I believe. Uh, you should be able to message us. Yeah, you should message us on Facebook. Yep. Or if we trust you, you can ask to come on the show. We might actually let you just come yeah. and eat breakfast with us. Yeah. yeah, the first person to request to be on our show via email, we'll, we'll uh, let you be on. Yeah. If we trust you. If we trust you. Yeah. There's a trust quiz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brian will come up with that later today. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. Along with a new website. Yeah, well, there'll be Man. <laughs> there'll be a questionnaire if you pass. Well, I'd just like to say that, I mean, we're if we're, we're growing in listenership. I mean, I think last week was when, I mean, we're renegades. We're crazy. Like, we're, we eat during the podcast. Like, I was just, I was just chewing right now. Yep. That's, That's right. That's so fun. crazy. 
Like, who else is chewing while they podcast? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if anybody. And then we, we had a blender, and then we had about a 20-minute a pause in our podcast this last time. Really? I mean, it was, it was like 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 oh, seconds, maybe. Okay. I was like, but it wow. Felt did like, you go from 20 minutes to 10 seconds? <laughs> yeah, did you see how that worked? Um, but, huh. yeah, we're, we're, we're pausing, we're chewing, we've got blenders, people just want more. Just, yeah. They just keep coming back. Right. I I think they're really into the weird intro music that we play. Um, it has been weird. What is that song? That's the song that my brother and I wrote a long time ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. That's even better. Uh, yeah. yeah I was, every time I'm just like, what? Where, where does he find this stuff? Yeah, well, it's just random stuff I've written. In your dreams. Yeah, in my dreams. Uh-huh. Do you want me to write an eclectic song at the beginning? Of, I'll just include one. What kind of music do you usually put on the... Because I've heard a couple of them. Yeah, so here's the real, like, disclosure thing. Is our host does not listen to a podcast Yeah, yet, apparently. So, we're, so I'm uh, learning right now. I've listened partially to a few of them. The reason why is because I cringe at the sound of my own voice. So if you do the same thing... Uh, I'm not judging you at all for not listening to her podcast, but... The great thing is, very soon to air, it's going to be one with a lot more Brian. A lot of Brian talking. A lot of Brian. Yeah, we're probably going to do an interview podcast with me prior to me leaving the podcast, which will happen in November. Yeah, and then when he leaves, we'll air that other secret one. Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to take place... Uh, to to compensate for the, that not doing as well, you know. Oh, uh, gotcha. But we will. Be, I, pro- I promise. I am letting them interview me. If you do have, for the Q and A, if you do have questions for me, you can go ahead and ask. But uh, I'm just the host. This. What if they say, "Hey, Brian, can you narrate my new book for me?" I can. I'll just, I need the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wow. kidding. I'm kidding. I'll do it for free, most likely. So so. Uh, Okay, so your dream. You woke up. Yeah. And you were you were angry. I was. I, yeah. I was Wait, pastors it. don't get angry. Well, well this one does. What? Most of the time. What? Yeah. Christians just are angry. allowed to be angry? No. Well, just anger, I yeah, suppose. Right. Yeah. You so be is there, slow in is your there anger. just anger? Well, when your anger lines up with God's anger, then it's just. Bingo. So anger as an emotion is not sinful. No, it's actually probably just a chemical response to circumstances. It's, yeah, it's right, it's rational. If you don't have any of it, it's probably wrong. I think the problem is, is what we... It's, we kind of equate anger, um, like, as what people do, or and then we connect that to the how you feel. So the doing and the feeling get in, intertwined. Yes. I can feel angry at you and still love you, be kind to you, so... Right. Generosity. Yeah. Where are some moments that you had in real life, not just dreams? If you want to throw out another dream, feel free. But where are some moments in life that you have found yourself uh, justly angry? Oh, a lot. I mean, I mean, hearkening back to our last podcast, when I watched the Vice documentary on Charlottesville, I felt angry. Um, there's... Recently, I felt like a friend was being taken advantage of. I felt angry about that. Um, I mean, there's there's a sense like when I feel like my kid has lied to me. There's a certain anger in that. Um, 
there's, I mean, yeah, all, a lot, all kinds of, yeah, when something's not right or unjust or unfair or untrue. Um, I remember a guy lied to my dad when he was trying to buy a truck. That made me angry. So, I don't know. The list could go on and on. Hmm. I mean, that's a good question, because anger is... I don't think I've ever felt justly angry, because obviously, as Rod preached in his last sermon, I can't do anything with pure motives. Right. Yeah, so there's so always, if you're talking pure motives, right. sure, no. Yeah. There's, there's an element of my anger that's always broken and choosing to disobey what Paul says and take revenge. Right. He talks about not taking revenge and leaving that to God in Romans. So, yeah, I, I have never not, I haven't been perfectly angry. But I think when I see innocent people being taken advantage of hurt, to feel angry, like to feel an emotion of anger is, is something that God feels. He, 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 anytime the weak and the helpless or taken advantage of. So an interesting piece on this is we just discovered as we were kind of grabbing our coffees and we sat down for a second before we started is both Eric and I are preparing sermons on anger. So and it works because Eric's so angry right now that we can we can kind of study him and, sure. and learn. Yeah. Actually, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to uh, dive into how you kind of mold a sermon and prepare for a sermon. But in the entrance of transparency, and we have discussed how important it is for a pastor and a leader yeah. to be transparent with its congregation, uh, what are some moments that you have found yourself unjustly angry? The rest of my life. <laughs> just angry all the time. Well, this has been Kate no. <laughs> Thank you, guys. No, I'll, I'll like like Eric's saying, like mixed into all of those situations. You know, like the the time when I felt like a friend was being treated unjustly. There's a side of me that wants to, you know, that 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 anger that I have that's just that. There's another side of it where I want to take it out and, and like do something with it that like then that goes outside of, of justice and it goes outside of mercy and, and it gets into like being vindictive and payback and stuff that that I have no business executing um, and so yeah it, it's a lot I mean uh, Eric? Uh, well I think that to understand anger I always have to go back and think okay if I feel angry then what is my goal what is my what am I demanding so even if you think about this dream I had yeah. it is actually playing on something that's very true about me and I have this goal and it probably better said demand that no one take advantage of me yeah. you will not take an advantage of me well I have no control over that so every time somebody violates that I get angry so these people are violating it I'm angry at them how dare they take advantage of me so a lot of times anger itself is built around this demand or goal that I'm not in control of. It's okay for me to be like, man, I really don't want to be taken advantage of. But that's not something I can control. Yeah. And so a lot of times when people get angry or they're like, they say they're not angry, they say they're frustrated. frustrated. And I'm like, no, no, yeah. frustration is anger. 
is that they want something that requires someone else's cooperation. And I think we go around thinking that somehow we can manipulate people into doing what we want, except they just don't cooperate. And yeah. so we, so a lot of our anger is built around that. Now, God's anger is also built around that. He, he wants, there's a demand that we obey. And, and when we violate that, there is an anger, a just anger, because he's a holy God. And there's a call into holiness. There's a, there's a directive into holiness. Yeah. So, um, so. Oh, here's a case study because I just I just had a memory of getting really angry. So I haven't even processed this. This is fresh <laughs> to the mind of Andy. This just hit the frontal lobe. Boom. We're ready. <laughs> here it is. Okay. Which is where, by the way, men start right up here. Right up here. Work backwards. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening yeah. right now. So so. Yeah, you guys help me, counsel me, tell me, tell me the truth. So, um, back when I was a teenager in high school, went out to the pool hall with my friends. We were shooting pool. I had a soda, and my friends decided it'd be really funny to empty an ashtray, uh huh, <laughs> gradually into my soda and see if I noticed. And I kept just sucking down my soda, didn't notice. They're laughing. I just think they're having a great time. And then at the end, when I'm, like, done, they are just dying because this whole ashtray is in my soda, and I didn't notice, and they can't believe it. And then I find out what happened, and I was so mad at them. So mad. So, like, when we, like, I was like, I'm leaving, and, like, I drove erratically leaving. Like, I remember just, like probably like scary driving and I was so just that's one of the times I can remember where my anger like peaked like so mad what do you what do you hear what do you say (laughs) wow um go for it host Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so I'm not, the, I'm not the counselor. What I would ask is, what did you experience in that moment? <laughs> Let's start there. What was the the right. core emotion right. that you experienced? The core emotion. I mean, yeah, it was it was getting toward I mean, like rage, but I was also like I wanted to get away. Like like the subway of embarrassment because they're laughing at you, not laughing with they're you. They're laughing at me. Oh, yeah. So, yes, there's a level of embarrassment, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. So, kind of, what were the sentences going through your head at that moment when you experienced, like, that moment? I can't say those. uh, If we were on Bad Christian, I could. Well, what did you you think about them? Oh, I I was like, I hate you. I mean, and I, these were, like, my best friends, but I was just, yeah, like, betrayal, like. Mm. So, what did you believe about yourself? Oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and people don't really... Because I think part there of it, too, was like, people you know... People don't really what? Don't, I want to hear that. Well, don't really care about me the way I think they do or something. Because it was like, part of what's hard, you know, when you go in with high expectations. So, like, I was having a lot of fun. So I was having a really fun night. And I thought I was having this, like, great time with my friends. And then to find out, actually... It was at your expense. It was at my expense. That my friends mm-hmm. were like doing something to me that and I and, and if people who know me know like there's something about like like actually like cigarette smoke and ash that I don't I, it's not like to me like a sinful thing I, it's just not 
it's just a gross thing to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just not... It, it, you know, so the fact that I just, like, sucked down a bunch of old cigarette ash was, like, I was just, just repulsed by that. But it's um, interesting to us, too, that people don't, people don't actually care about me as much as I think they right. do. And yeah. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot, yeah. yeah. And yeah. if you could, like, think about it even a little bit more, like, what, where the heck was God in that? Right. What, what did you think of, I mean, if you could think about him in that moment, what would... Yeah, and when I think about my teenage self, I really don't think I I didn't engage in that question yeah. but but you know under the surface of it it would be like yeah definitely like God was not God was not for me with me doesn't care you know just like yeah and and like I'm not very valuable God doesn't yeah doesn't love me much or he wouldn't have given me these stupid friends of yeah all the, a lot of value <laughs> what this happened to me or whatever yeah. was there any sort of remorse that happened on their end did they feel bad about it afterwards or I think they felt worried that I was going to crash my car mm. um really yeah like I oh. think they were like what the heck you know what what's wrong with you um I, I don't remember any actual remorse I think to them they thought like come on it was just a just a joke, you know, which it was, which is what they were intending yeah. to be. Right. But so they, I think they were very surprised by the reaction. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely have, you know, I have this demand for sure that goal and demand and all that mm-hmm. stuff that, that people, yeah, like, like me, care about me, um, and that God wouldn't let me, you know, deal with a hard thing, right. a painful thing. And so all of that was just, right. in that moment, felt very shattered. Yeah. Because yeah. our anger is built underneath these longings mm-hmm. that we have that are good to be cared for and loved. And we end up manipulating the circumstances. And when the manipulation right. doesn't work, you know, because you have this fear, like maybe I really am not as interesting and as people. Like it wasn't just that one time. You're like, oh, oh no, it, you've had that. Oh so, yeah. yeah, that's that's a lifelong thing. It just for some reason like that. That's a moment. Incident oh yeah, was huge. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because yeah, your teenage self had to face that, and so the relief to all of it was go out there, fly around crazy, kind of just exhibit. Right. Do something you can't do to them. Right. Right. Yeah, you, I couldn't. I couldn't fling them around the room. Right. And, right. And there was some justification right. for that. You, why you should walk out and drive erratically, and, and right. Right. You had to come up with some way of venting it, venting right, or it whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had to put yourself back in that situation, like, what do you think would be like if you, the mature Andy, now has that happen? Pastor Andy. Oh yeah. Drinks. You know. Pastor Eric, unbeknownst to Pastor Andy, pours <laughs> ashes in his coffee cup. Like, what? what is... Which, uh, let me look here. I actually put I a bunch I'm... of ashes in your cortada today. Yeah, there you no. go. So. I was like, can you put this in there for me? Brian, do you want to come take a ride in my truck? <laughs> <laughs> special ride to the desert. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I would hope... And, I, and I've... Yeah, I've seen myself learning to do this to like so I'll start having those type of thoughts that yeah. send me there and 
recognizing like I am getting angry. Yeah. Right? And and that's something that back then I that thought process, even that little thing right there, that little slowing down of the tape, if you will, or whatever, right. didn't happen. It was just went straight from what have you done to me to rage. Right. You know. Yeah. Um which wasn't like characteristic of me per se, but it would every once in a while it would it would happen. And it would I would stuff stuff down and then it would boom, big in in a in one moment, surprising even to myself. But um but I think these days like I tend to I tend to be able to recognize it and then I it's like things that slow down enough for me to where I choose, like am I gonna you know, am I going to act out and just exhibit my anger or or what do I what do I do with mm. this? And I think like I've tended to you know, learn to like tell somebody, you know, like dude that this is a really hard thing. Like I'm trying to imagine if something like that were to happen to me now. Right. And yeah. like being able qu- to say like But the question is as a pastor, like, okay, people are asking you, so how do you handle something right. like that in a godly way? What's yeah. what's the thing I'm supposed to do with my anger? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think you deny it. I don't think that you act like it's not there or stuff like yeah, and just stuff it down and, and pretend like it's not a real thing. But it, it also seems like you don't just you don't just exhibit it, right? Right. You don't just yeah to to blow it off or whatever. So it seems seems to me and it's interesting because I've you know, I'm kinda like I'm I'm examining this for the sermon and I'm mine's in a couple weeks, so I've I've got a lot of work to do, obviously. <laughs> so I'm struggling to answer this question. But um but it seems like I mean in one sense, like I've learned to like really complain to God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that um like if you guys experienced that or not, but I used to really complain at or exhibit to the person that that I felt wronged me, but I've I've come to where I complain to God a lot more um, and ask for wisdom mm-hmm. eventually, but but sometimes just just kind of kind of like the Psalms, just 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 a complaint. Just I hate when I feel like this and it hurts and why does this happen to me all the time? You know, so on and so forth to God. And then um, and then trying to like decide is there is there a piece of this that is like good and just and should be shared like mm-hmm. like should I go to to this person and say like hey like that thing you did to me or to someone else was was really hurtful. Yeah. Um, and then like and kind of separating that from just being mad at the person. Right. You know, and like not blaming the person fully in that moment and just taking it out on them but separating out like this thing that happened that you did versus the deep offense that I feel you know anyway those are off the top of the head yeah no definitely so what's your sermon for this Sunday Eric teach me no well I think you've talked about some of it I think in that moment I would say that it's core not to remove the cross because the cross yeah. is for these friends who hurt you, and the cross is for you. Yeah. Um, and they, in some ways, are just being insensitive to you. Right. And so there's a sense of being able to say, okay, well, I, how do I feel? I like what you said. Like, I have to process with God and say, 
is telling them going to actually further their movement towards Jesus right. and repentance? Or is it only going to make this situation worse? Right. Is God calling me to groan inwardly, like right. he asked Ezekiel when he said he was going to take his wife? Like, is it that inward groaning instead of outwardly? Um, but a lot of times it's like, for me, I think, okay, I have an identity that I stand in that has nothing to do with anybody else. Like, that cross proclaims who I am. and it, So then I can offer my longings, desires, I can feel the pain of things, and not actually be angry. I can actually be hurt. Yeah. And there's a big difference, because anger is just masks a deep woundedness. Right. And the question, it brings up these questions that you're asking. Like, do I actually matter? Right. Am I loved? You know, those are two huge questions that you're asking people, and they're saying, well, not as much as you'd like. Right. Which you're is not, true. Right? And you're not seen <laughs> as much as you want to be seen. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't then be an, a minister to them. That right. doesn't mean that you have to, like... Because you are seen. And you are. Yes, and you are known. And another piece of the cross, too, and, like, I mean... Because some some things are just just unjust and yeah. just deserve punishment, right, yeah. or whatever. And the other part of the cross is that, like God, got angry, but He aimed it at yes. His Son on the cross yeah. instead of at people who deserve it. And so there's that too of like realizing like my anger is valid, right. um, but I don't have to aim it at them because God didn't aim His anger at me when I deserved it, you know. And He's offering that to them, yeah. and I can walk with Jesus. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So, in terms of setting that up... I'll let you ask him a question. I think my meter is actually about to click off, and I got a $150 ticket last time for parking, so I don't want that ticket anymore. That would be be infuriating. You guys talk about anger. I don't want to be angry again. Yeah, Eric's going to be very... Will Eric return angry? That's the question. (laughs) About to find out. That to find out. So Brian, what gets what gets you? I was going to use an example. Oh, if it came up to it, yeah. Because I, I just found like anger is when your will has been blocked. So right. if something that you want to see happen isn't happening, and the, I've never really been like a really just angry person. Uh, I'd say that I was always more frustrated. But in a lot of times when I said, oh, I'm just frustrated, like, no, I'm probably really angry, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. uh, but it just does, I w- just because I've seen moments when I'm just really, really angry, yeah. like really just like rocket fuel angry, because uh, that's what it always feels like sometimes is, um, always sometimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels to, like a lot of times when you get angry, you just like, you could be exhausted like I feel exhausted right now and you just get angry and bam it's like rocket fuel and it just sends you soaring and what sometimes I work on it I'm an aircraft mechanic yeah uh, that's what I get paid to do and I every time I hit my head whether it's yeah. on the aircraft or in, on a cabinet uh, door those are like the two things I get hit my head most on I get so angry but it's just like literally that rocket fuel just like and I get there's nothing so every time like I get angry I usually say oh I'm just frustrated because I equate it to that because it's so much angry then I um, I'll be like and I literally just like yell just like random like ah and then people uh, I'll just immediately be like I'm fine the the result is that is like okay I'm fine 
just like I need a minute because I just hit my head and I hate hitting my head and I just I'm just really angry but not at any of you I always like just I vocalize that so they know like okay my anger's not directed yeah um and there have been times when uh I have been angry at people and in order the way that I usually respond is I try to Eric looks really them. angry by the way how'd it go Okay, got no, thumbs up angry. from Pastor okay. Eric Seepin. Five minutes left. His, Five minutes left. Awesome. Good. Well, we made it. His he goal was, was not blocked. <laughs> My goal was not blocked. <laughs> it's under my control. All right. Sorry. Awesome. No worries. Um, so, uh, bringing you back into the conversation, uh, talked about how our, uh, anger happens when our will is blocked. Okay. And what we want to see happen is it happening. Right. And I talked about how when I get really, really angry, a lot of times it's because I hit my head on something. I don't know what it is about it. If I hit my head, I go like b- hit my arm. I'll be like bummed, and then like hit my head, and I'm just like infuriated, and I have no idea why. But you, usually, it's because like I'll think about like it's because oh, why would you hit your head on it? I'm so angry at myself because I hit my head on something, and I really value what is going on in here. I want to be a good steward of that because your then, will is going on in your head, and exa- it got blocked ex- by this door. Exactly, and I'm <laughs> and I'm severely pissed. And then, like God, why did you make me an idiot for hitting my head uh, on this door again? You know, because that it's happened multiple times, etc. Mm. So, um, I've had friends uh, ask me like in the different situations that I've been wronged. Uh, a lot of times, my response isn't. It's more. It's, like sad than anger yeah but um like I was bullied as a kid and I never really had the, these hateful feelings all the time towards those kids I just wanted to be friends with them because I didn't have any so but it, th- that was my not, like that was what I mostly went to I don't remember all the times where I was like actually like really angry at them it almost mm. seems like you maybe aimed the anger at yourself because it's like I don't. I'm just. Oh, that's I'm always my. Out. That's yeah. always my inclination. Because I don't like directing it. Like I, I, I always felt wrong for like directing it at them. I was like, I don't want to direct my anger. I always want to be aware. Of, like, if someone makes me angry, I always try to communicate that to them. Of like, hey, I'm angry about this, but I understand. Like, um, I'll give you the best example in terms of like what something that was angry for a long time at someone else. Yeah. Um, was my best friend, uh, Taylor, and he got married uh, last year. And he was my very first friend ever, my very first best friend. Uh, In all those times where I was bullied by kids, he was like uh, in elementary school, middle school, whatever, and then he showed up, and it was like, he let me hang out with him at church. I was, was looking for a new church, and I barely knew him from school. I didn't even know his last name. And he like let me in, and he just was my friend. And I always wanted to be like, oh, you're my best friend. And I was like, oh, I'm friends with this guy who likes baseball cards. And he wouldn't say that I was his best friend. I was like, one day. And then uh, he, uh, like, we always went to different schools and stuff like that. And he went to college and I was in just different places. But I always wanted to be his best friend. And then when he got married, I wasn't a groomsman. And I, so much happened last year that I wasn't prepared for. That I, like things that I was doing wrong and things that were happening to me that like were out of my control, um, 
and I that, that was just like another thing so I tacked on all this anger and frustration about all these other things and I added to that and I, I was invited to the wedding I was still a part of the bridal party and they let me be a part of it and everything and I just felt like I always wanted to be uh, as much of an influence uh, to him as he was to me mm-hmm. and it wasn't reciprocated like that and it, yeah. like he it, and that's fine and I like Every time I would like really think about it and to come down, I'd be like, it, "It's he, he didn't really. It's not. It, it, it's okay. It's okay that that's not the the case. Um, he doesn't have a responsibility to make you his best friend and super close. Mm-hmm. So you uh, and there's all these different things I had to come to terms with. Sure. Um, and yeah, so that, that's a really like probably the best example uh, of uh, most recent best example of someone who really wronged me or I felt I was wrong I should say and I was just like super infuriated every time I would like to like think about it oh there were actually a couple other but we'll just leave it with that but um and uh, we eventually talked about it um later that year and stuff and it was a really healthy conversation Mm -hmm. so because um I was really hurt by it but a lot of it was like me imposing all these things that I wanted so because it sounds like any time that you feel like the circumstances or the person is making you feel less or yeah. like you don't have anything good to offer, um, you get angry. So whacking your head is just a confirmation that you really don't have it together. Oh, yes. Yeah, because it's like, because it seems like secretly down deep, you're like, this is because I'm, I stink. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And so anything that proves proves that you stink is infuriating. Well, it sounds like the bullying helped when you're young and kind of oh, confirm yeah. in you that you didn't have anything good to offer. Oh, definitely. It solidified it 100%. Because it wasn't really, like, physically... Like, there weren't a lot of physical altercations. It was all verbal and emotional sure. and mental. But um, I... I don't know if you want to talk about more that or the, the way that I was going to kind of like the direction I want to take was in terms of forming this ser- sermon about anger, this is what we're, you're preparing for this upcoming Sunday in a couple of weeks. Um, how do you prepare a sermon in general? And in terms of this, how do you mold it about anger? What, what path would you want to take? Well, first, I talk to somebody like you, and then I write a sermon just for them, so that when they say, <laughs> man, you wrote this sermon just for me, I'm like, yeah, actually yeah. I did. It was actually, just for you. Actually, nobody else in the church even needed to hear this. Just Brian. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to use all examples of you in the sermon. Feel uh, free. In two weeks, I'm going to use a different name. The name will be Byron. Brian. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy named Brian. I he has a podcast in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. I heard it. Yeah, yeah. In Phoenix. And he works on in submarines. In Tucson. Yeah. <laughs> submarines. In Tucson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the process of doing sermons, we can go that direction. I mean, I think it varies from, you know, what we're prepping on and how we're doing it. I mean, if we're doing, if I'm doing like a book study where we're really just diving into First Thessalonians, then it's going to take a whole different like yeah. way of preparing because I have to do a lot of historical work if I don't know what the historical stuff is. And I have to kind of begin my own process of understanding the themes that are built into the book. And, and it depends on if it's a little book of Paul's or I'm like, oh, I'm going to be real brave and take on the entire Gospel of John. 
um, well, then that's a whole different thing. So there's a lot of prep work that you have to do for bigger books that you wouldn't do. Like for a topical sermon, I'm tending to read more books, talk to more people about the topic itself to try to shape it. I may use less scripture because I just want to really hone in on a principle. It's, it's interesting you say that because I feel the exact opposite. Oh, I feel like when I do a topic, I use more scripture, mm. and because it's like because this topic is all over the Bible, yes. right? And uh, and it takes a lot more work because I've got to synthesize something that's usually like almost any topic you can read across the whole story of the Bible, Genesis, Revelation. So it's like. This, this topic is all over the place. I don't want to represent it wrong. So I really struggle to, like, yeah, to... The prep for a topic is way harder for me. Like, we just did some questions at our church, and prepping for those was super hard. Yes. But then, like, we're in the book of Ephesians for the year, and so I've read Ephesians multiple times this year because I'll, every once in a while I just to get the big picture I'll sit down and just read the whole book of Ephesians mm. which has been really nice and then I know what's coming like you know the thought process like this sermon is going to inform the next one so I don't have to say everything in the next one because this one's gonna so we're you know when we get to anger which is in a couple weeks it's in light of like God is saying like here you have a new identity in Christ here's what I've done for you through the gospel so now you can live out of my image so, so but we're saying that in the weeks leading up so I don't have to unpack all of that I can say it but I don't have to unpack it in order to go into anger and the image of God and sure. you know then I get to just work out that one piece of like right. like we were saying like God God gets angry mm. and he does the right thing with his anger so we have we have a reason like our anger is not completely invalid but then because of what he does we have a pattern because of what he's done on the cross we have a provision mm-hmm. um, and so we get to work through right. just that piece so I, I love well, it's, and, and it's easier for me to do a book than a topic well, when yeah. you're, and you're talking about like when you did when I did the trinity yeah no, yeah that's a that's a like if I'm going to speak on what is a trinity oh my goodness that's oh, a big yeah. thing like you did oh, and then you threw yeah. in what did you throw suicide in there with that sex before marriage sex before yeah. marriage so you know those two <laughs> together like you were going at it it's perfect like if the topic is you know just anger for me like that's a different way of understanding like reading scripture and trying to answer that question than if I'm going to talk about theological topics Right. But I also think probably the difference between you and I is I'm probably more on the like biblical theologian and you're probably more on the systematic theologian kind of approach. I mean, I don't know where you land in those kinds of things, but like when I, I tend to yeah. be less uh, systematic in my like when I'm applying a theology to my, you know, I usually work from the book itself. Yeah. Out. Well, when I and when I hear when I hear biblical theology, I think like this theme needs to follow the storyline of the scripture. And I actually, like, love that. And that's a huge piece. Yeah, I, yeah well, that'd be interesting, because I, when I say biblical theology, I'm not meaning that. Like, like if you read, like, so let's say you read Thessalonians. Uh-huh. Like, a systematic theologian is really going to want to bring in the entire scripture to bear on that. A biblical theologian can say, no, 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 let's work on the book. And if the book brings us to look at some things outside of that, then we'll do that. But we're going to stay inside the book itself. Your your definition of systematic and biblical that theology my, is different than the, mine. Yeah, that's what it, so, my question was going to be. Like, what is <laughs> so, so? Yeah. So in in 
I mean, from from what I from what I can gather, like a biblical theology, like a book that we do in the Surge Network, for example, like Surge is a thing that's going on here in Tucson. Uh-huh. The first book is a biblical theology, and what it is is it's it's the storyline of Scripture. Like here's the big story of the Bible, and there's a lot of uh, so so reading. So that what that means is like in a in a biblical theology, like when you read something in the Old Testament, you're remembering that it's part of a big storyline. Yes. And so you don't read it in isolation. You read it like in the in the, yeah. in the full context of Scripture, like creation, fall, you know, redemption, restoration. Like you're going to read it across the and say, where does it fit in the big story of the Bible? That's biblical theology. Systematic theology is where you break things down into categories and you start with like first premises and work your way down. Like, like I believe in God. But, but oh wait, why do I believe in God? I believe in God because Scripture declares that there's a God, so Scripture has to be my first premise, and then I believe in God, and then I believe this is the character of God, and then I believe that because this is the character of God, here's how we should act. So a systematic theology book will start with the, the big idea when you open up, and then it'll get down to all the nitty-gritty details that come from the big idea at the end. So th- those are my definitions of systematic yeah I, I guess theology. so like what do you think of like a systematic theologian John Piper is a systematic theologian whereas N.T. Wright would be a biblical theologian so they approach scripture very differently um, and they approach it in a they understand context even differently yeah um, so I mean this is like maybe we're just using different terms but from what I always understood is that systematic theologians, yes, they do first premise, but they're also, to understand your system, you have to understand the broad story. It's based on how you interpret the story itself. Well, and and I think, like, the way I would put it is nobody is one or the other. Like, there's, you, you're, you're a well-balanced theologian if you can do both. If you can think, like, because sometimes, like, I'm sure you, you categorize some things, like like a systematic theologian, and then other times... You you think within the storyline like I mean well right that'd be my assumption I mean you know that's yeah, well everybody has a theology how yeah. organized it is yeah I, I just think like what the starting point is I always inter- like biblical scholars and biblical theologians always start at whatever point they're in so if you're going to start at Zechariah I mean not, not Zechariah Zephaniah you're going to ask the question what is Zephaniah's theology like where is he going. Yeah. If you're a systematic theologian, you already have your categories preset right. that you're going to come in and try to see Zephaniah's way of telling us what salvation is and telling us. But instead, like your biblical scholar would be like, okay, well, what what categories is he actually living under, and which ones is he not living under, and how is he? I may have called not to get on. I mean, words, you know, but yeah, I, sure. I might have called that historical theology right. um, or something like because then you're like a. Like a grammatical historical would would approach a text and say, "What's the what's the context? What do right. the words mean? What is this person no. saying? Who were they talking to?" Which and you got to do all of that when you study. Right, right. No, I understand that. I just actually think if you sat down with Piper, he would say, "No, I'm a systematic theologian," and then T. Wright would say, "Oh no, I'm not a systematic. I am a biblical theologian." And they understand those two as very distinctly different ways yeah. of understanding scripture itself. Yeah, well, and people in the discipline of theology have, they'll, like, usually operate in one of those. Like, yeah. You'll, you'll often, so, you know, a systematic theology book would be, like, Wayne Grudem's systematic you know, theology. And that's how, and he, I don't know that he's ever written a biblical theology book, so it's, sure. Right. 
But, I mean, um, that's... I'll go, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I keep going on Sorry, this. sorry, listeners. Uh, <laughs> well, nobody nobody yeah, cares. I love it. No. I don't. It's, uh, no, people do care. It's, yeah. it's interesting. But yeah, I... Uh, so in my definition of biblical theology, like I'm, I'm often trying to think like I love weaving in. So even on our on our section on anger, I mean he, you know, Paul when he in Ephesians is talking about be angry but do not sin is quoting Psalm four four. So you know you've got you've got David you know way before Jesus has said the same thing, and so then you you're going okay so Paul who's saying this in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ also is is declaring right here that he is in the same line of thought as David, the king of Israel, you know. And David, the king of Israel, was saying that he was on the same wavelength as Moses, the the lawgiver of Israel, and so on and so forth. So, you know, I love pulling in, like, the, the, you know, in a sermon, like, here's what Moses, you know, showed us in the law about God, about his anger, and here's David, you know, in Psalm mm. 4 saying, be angry and do not sin. Right. And then here's Jesus who gets angry at the grave and angry at the Pharisees and so on and so forth. And here's Paul saying, be angry, but do not sin. Um, and so what's the big, what's the big story here? You know, not, I'm, I'm not necessarily just interested in like, what's, like, what's Pauline theology? I don't you know. Yeah, it's and that's probably be more where I'd be. I'd yeah. be more geared towards okay, what's Paul's understanding of this, and how is Paul playing this out? Yeah. And yeah, certainly he rests on David and Moses, right? Yeah, but yeah, I would just approach it differently, which is why we're not yeah. the same. <laughs> so, so now, all of you who go to the village, now you know why you go there. It's actually yeah. because you're into biblical theology, even though. You know, we, if we, you go to mission church and, and you follow my lead, you don't think it is biblical theology, but whatever. You yeah, know? yeah, there you go. <laughs> and we found the first controversy of uh, faith over breakfast, faith. man. Yeah. So, so I see you're about to search something. I do have a quick question after you would uh, elaborate on whatever you're about to. Search. No, no, you go. But, ahead. Um, I was that. curious. You said that you will consult other people prior to writing a sermon or in the midst of. Uh, who do you like to? Well, uh, talk to you about it. There's two things I I think about when I think about preaching. I think that like my my little community has a narrative, so that's mm-hmm. part of the context. Um, so even when I'm preaching about anger, there's a context of anger within the community, and there's yeah. a narrative of anger in the community. So I have to be speaking. So my my sermon may be really simple, and because I need to lay out some practical ways of, of us just as a community dealing with this in a simple way and so I may not be or maybe there's some bigger questions going on I need to address those so that that context so part of what I'm consulting is just I'm listening to the people and hearing what they're saying that's my first consultation because I think the pastor's job more than actually getting it right with the scriptures is being able to help tell the story of the community in light of the scriptures yeah if you if you don't bring it there and that is like and that is the hard piece is like and you have people asking for different things. I mean, I remember at some point somebody coming to me and saying, I feel like you don't give us enough meat, you know? And uh, and I actually somebody like... said that to you? Oh, yeah. Which a lot of the, the... What I normally hear is, wow, Andy, you give a lot of information, yeah. right? And so... And then if you go to our church, between myself and Nick, you're going to get a lot more information from Nick and a lot more application from me. Right. But so there's there's always a... 
there's always a, a balance. But yeah, somebody came to me and said, you don't give us enough meat. And I thought, man, like, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, that's a that's quite the Christian phrase. Yeah. But um, I know what you mean by that, and that's that you wanted more information about the text. Like, you wanted me to unpack more of the details and the historical background and so on and so forth, which I find, I personally find very interesting, and I have to rein that back. Oh, yeah. Because I could go on, I could fill a whole sermon with how interesting this is, and oh, look at how it connects to, you know, how it, how it connects to history, and look how it, how, how much it makes sense philosophically. But at the end of the day, if that doesn't help people in the church change and walk with Jesus, it's worthless. Yeah. Um, and I just read an article by Tim Challies where he was, you know, defining the difference between Bible study and preaching. And he said a lot of preaching he hears is Bible study and a lot of Bible study he hears is preaching and people reverse it. Because preaching is going for a change of heart in light of the scriptures. So it's so then if you're going to seek to change somebody's heart, you need to know the hearts of the people that you're speaking to. Right. It needs to be really aimed at your community. And that's why a whole bunch of little churches are really good because you can actually know people and aim scripture at their actual hearts, you know, people you know. So I, I also love to talk through sermon topics with people in the church, and I love to talk through it with people who don't don't believe in Jesus that I bump into. I love to get, yeah. ask, ask people like, in that boat, you know, what is this? Can you read this scripture and tell me what your questions are? That's, that's cool. That I have never done. That's one of my favorite things. That's cool. It's been really helpful. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I mean, I think consulting people, like when I was early preaching, and I've been doing this for a long time now, I used to listen to people to hear how they approached a particular passage. Now I, on purpose, listen to a lot of other pastors, but never on the topic that I'm preaching on now. I had to stop doing that. It messed me up. I started parroting them, and Uh when I now only listen to other people or consult them for actually presentation style, how do they articulate things, especially people who are good orators. I want to learn to be a good orator. That's an important yeah. part. Or I'll practice techniques. And this is a thing that I if you listen to my, a year of my sermons, you'll be like, oh, he was working on a rhetorical style. So you'll see me like open my sermons with, these are the three important things. And you'll see those three important things repeated. And, and I'll have a very rhetorical argument that I'm using to practice that. And I'll apply that. Whereas then I might use a very different sort of practical this I'm going to teach you how to do this or maybe you know it's I change the styles as I'm learning to speak yeah I don't I I I often follow a similar sermon style but not always I will I have a few different outlines out there that I I will use and depending on the scripture I'll change it up and I don't know how much that people realize that because I don't necessarily say it but uh but yeah I'll I'll change it up and I've had the same experience I used to like early on like I just looked up to Tim Keller so much I listened to his I would go try to find him preaching the same scripture that was really not a good idea like that week because it would he's preaching it to people in New York City um, and from a very specific angle and I would find myself second guessing my thoughts on the scripture Mm. and how they applied to our church and often changing it and it usually wasn't for the best you know Um, so the big question is like what you know I I always want to know what is this scripture actually what did it what does it mean like what I do want to know what what was Paul trying to say who was he speaking to I want to I want to understand these words I don't want to when I read like be angry and do not sin 
Um, and then it says, like, do not let the sun go down in your anger. It's really helpful to know that those are two different words in Greek mm-hmm. as, as opposed to English. And one of them has to do with, like, a, a just ex- just anger, and the other has to do with, like, a deep-seated, seething bitterness. Right. Um, and, it, and I want to know the difference between those two that doesn't come through in English because that helps me talk about it. Sure. So I want to learn that kind of stuff. And then I want to ask the question of what does this look like in our community? Um, and how can we take some practical steps to apply the scripture to our lives? And when I listen to like Tim Keller do that for somebody in New York City right before I do, it doesn't tend to help me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and especially you're not listening. I mean, I don't really know. I think about how a lot of pastors where I'm thinking they have this little church and I listen to them other than Andy. Like <laughs> those are the people. I, like mostly I'm like, right. oh, I'm gonna listen to Tim Keller or Matt Chandler or Mark Driscoll or. Andy Stanley or Andy whatever. Stanley or somebody like that. Charles Stanley, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't listen to Charles Stanley. No. You, I know. Awesome? I know. You didn't list you didn't list any of the people you actually I, I listen to all those people. Those are it. I was Man, just I was you. just gonna make some joke about how, you know, some emergent church like Brian McLaren. Yeah, okay, oh, yeah, the, the <laughs> name listen, dropping. Yeah, I haven't like, listened to Brian McLaren in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I'm supposed to name drop conservatives, you name drop right, liberals. Right, that's then right. we balance each other out. Dang it. I've yeah. got that. <laughs> But, you just uh, start listening to some weird people you've never heard of to like that's bring it weird. bring it together. Well, I, I don't think either one of us have ever. Well, you said you listened to a Furyk sermon, right? Yeah, I did. I did go and listen to it just just because I knew I've heard of him, but I never listened to him. And yeah, I've never so listened I, to him. So you can. I went and you know gave him a little test drive, tried cool. that out. It was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> kind of reminded me of a lot of stuff I saw on TV as a kid. Um, sure. But yeah, no, I and I'm trying to listen to, you know, a little more. When I listen to, I, I still do like to listen to Keller, but not on a topic. I like Keller. I like to listen to Keller on a topic that where he can kind of preach to me on something I'm dealing right. with. That's pretty nice. Well, and sometimes, like, I'll give you an example of Tim Keller. He preached a sermon recently that my mom sent me, and in that he talks about being defined by your feelings versus being defined by a God who doesn't need to be defined by yeah. anyone outside of him. Yeah. and how powerful that is. Well, I took that, and I integrate that almost oh, every yeah. week and make sure that's repeated yeah. in different contexts, in different ways, because it's a powerful statement. It's a statement that all of us need to hold on to. It was good for me to be reminded of and hold on to. So I don't know. I yeah. look for those guys to pastor me and to pass on things that they oh, might yeah. be adding into the, the narrative of our community as followers of Jesus. Well, I listened to I listened to Keller's sermon that he preached on 9-11 a few months ago. Okay. Somebody had shared it, you know. So he was in New York, pretty pretty huge moment there in New York, obviously. And so he, he mentioned this whole thing about Jesus being angry at the grave, and that really interested me. So then I went and studied into that and, and learned a lot about you know, when that, that little scripture, Jesus wept, Yeah. you know, which we, we, oh, he, oh, he wept. He, he just had feelings. Like, it's probably more like he started trembling with rage. Right. Um, is probably the, the, the correct, you interpretation. know, interpretation right. of that. Or, and, and, and in that, in those moments, like this is, this is Jesus in, I mean, it's an emotional state that some of us can relate to when we're at rock bottom, except he's, He's not out of control. Right. He's, but he's feeling those things that we feel. Pretty incredible. Yeah. And so I was really thankful for Keller saying that. Yeah. And then I got to go look into it and make sure it's true, um, which is 
huge. So I and I will share that with it, and I have. I've mentioned it. And that's eked into counseling sessions, and it's yeah. eked into sermons, and so it's I'm grateful. Shift and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that, and we should probably wrap up soon here, yeah, we but, yeah, uh, yeah. before we're like three hours, but the thing that really helped me as a pastor <laughs> is I watched some guy, I don't even know who he is, but he's doing this message in front of Piper and all these big wigs, and he opens up his sermon saying, I rarely steal from you, I do not give you credit, it is not your stuff, and thank you for giving it to me. And, uh-huh. he, and he starts preaching, and his whole concept was, these men are adding things to the narrative. Yeah. And they're shepherding all of us. And as you know, we follow Paul. Paul follows Jesus. Well, well as I follow, you know, Piper, I pass right. that on down to the people around me and offer those things to them. And it's not stealing. It's actually giving God's grace to the people around. So, and I have no idea who influences me anymore. So top three other pastors you listen to at the moment? Uh, probably Keller... Stanley and I go on YouTube and listen to a lot of African American preachers yeah those are probably my just randomly yeah very cool how about you yeah Keller I like a guy Martin Bond who was in uh, Santa Fe um, and he's he's now left the pastorate he's leading uh, he's works at Redeemer Seminary you know but he uh, his sermons would be 15 20 minutes long really deep uh, I, yeah really different and speaking to people in Santa Fe which I feel contextually similar to Tucson yeah um, and then um, yeah and then I, I kind of take a smattering of, of other like I listened to a Paul Tripp sermon recently but I, I kind of pepper in I listened to a Vody Bauckham uh, yep. one the other day yeah like and I kind of but I don't listen to them quite as often but I'll listen to an Andy Stanley every once in a while I, I try to kind of hunt around for random Stephen Fierdick once in a while why yeah. not why not yeah. well, I mean I, I used to only listen to Mark Driscoll so yeah. that was my like go to person from the last 10 years so you got tired of being yelled at so I got tired of being yelled at <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah until he left until so. that wasn't it well and now, now he's in the same now state he, now you yeah. can just drive to Phoenix it's not the same it's not the same that's true anyway alright awesome well, that's a great conversation thank you so much for, uh, for sharing with us uh, thank you so much to you the viewer uh, for tuning <laughs> the in the viewer and in watching this podcast Tokyo in Tokyo and elsewhere Netherlands Tucson elsewhere uh, this has been Faithful for Breakfast with Pastor Andy Littleton, Pastor Eric Seepen, and your host Brian Betts. And next week we have the Q&A. So send a, your questions to our Facebook, faithoverbreakfast.com. Uh, sorry, faithoverbreakfast at gmail.com, our email. Our Facebook uh, is Faith the best way to see it. At uh, Faith Over Breakfast. Exactly. Our yep. website will be ready in two weeks. I'm really excited about that. Ooh, two yeah. weeks, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, nice.